Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 207. Yesterday, we looked at part one of the cups that are used during the Passover meal to help tell the story, the Haggadah, the way that it was and the way that it is in the Passover meal when God miraculously delivered the children of Israel from Egyptian slavery and bondage. That's what the Passover is all about. It's a memorial meal. It's a night to remember. And when we celebrate the Passover, when the Jewish people celebrate the Passover, when anyone celebrates the Passover, they are doing a memorial meal. And so in order for us to remember properly, there has to be order to the story. And that's where all of the rituals come in that you hear about and many evangelical Christians do not know about. And it is what gives Passover the rich of flavor, especially when it comes to the messianic promises that Jesus lived out and fulfilled during that last Passover meal with his disciples in Jerusalem, before the Garden of Gethsemane, before the trial, and of course, before his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. And so the cups are very important. Now, yesterday we looked at Exodus chapter 6 and verses 6 and 7, where the cups originated from as the priests, the Levites, the sages, the rabbis had to devise some kind of storytelling device to pass this on down from one generation to the next so it would be consistent throughout the tribes and throughout the people. And so these different storytelling techniques were developed. They were like wet cement that then hardened. And so by the time of Jesus, many of these things, even though every family had its own Seder, every family had its own Haggadah, there were still elements that were common to all. The four cups and the taking of the four cups was a common element in all of the storytelling devices and elements. And so to just review, we have the cup of sanctification where God says, I am going to separate you from the Egyptians. I'm going to bring you out of bondage and slavery, and I'm going to bring you out with a miraculous hand. Now, remember the reason that God said this and the reason that God did this in the sixth chapter of the book of Exodus. God recalls that the reason he's doing this is because of the promise that he made to the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of the land. And God said he would do this in chapter 6 and verse 2 because of what he had promised to Abraham and the fathers. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, that is the Tetragrammaton, Hashem, Adonai, YHVH, I was not known unto them. 
I will also establish my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Now, this is very important because God said what I am doing for the people is not just because of them. But it's because of the promise that I made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, what does this show? This shows that God is a God of faithfulness. He is the God of faithfulness. He is always faithful. He is never unfaithful. Anything that God promises, God will do. And he shows that he is able to fulfill. He is capable of fulfilling the promises that he made, even when they are unthinkable, when they are unimaginable. How could it be that slaves would be delivered from a much stronger and mightier master than they could ever imagine. Pharaoh was the king of the most powerful kingdom in all of the earth. And God says, I'm going to bring him down to size where he'll understand he's not God, I am God. His wise men are not gods. His magicians are not gods. There is one true and living God, and it is the God of the Israelites. And so that's exactly what he did. So God said, I want you to remember this and teach this to your children. And so that is done through a cup called the cup of sanctification, where God says what he's going to do in relationship to the children of Israel. I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Then he said, I will rescue you. And that had to do with the great judgments of the plagues. Then he said, I will redeem you. And that he did. He redeemed them. And then he said, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And I will bring you into the land that I promised to your fathers. And we talked about those cups, those four cups yesterday. Now, it's interesting that you're not just taking one cup after another. And this is not just a fast meal that you go in and eat with haste. No, the people, as we will learn in the coming sessions, were reclined. Jesus and his disciples were reclined. It was the posture of a free man. And we'll learn from where that tradition came from and how it was lived out in the days of Jesus and has been since that time. But we will learn that after these cups, the first two, they took a break and they ate supper. And after supper, there were rituals and questions associated with those rituals. And then the third cup, the cup of redemption was taken. And that is when the lamb was talked about and, and how precious it was and how that the Passover lamb was the best of all of the flock and that it was taken out and taken into the home and was loved on and became close to and intimate with the family to where they began to love that lamb. They did that for four days and four nights, and then they would slaughter the lamb, and the blood of that lamb would be put upon the doorpost and the lintel to remember the Passover when God passed over, the death angel passed over the homes of the Jewish people. You see, in the other plagues, God had spared the Jewish people. But in this plague, it was only when he saw the blood and they met the conditions that they would be spared. And so that is... 
part of that third cup of redemption where you talk about the lamb and and, uh, the body that was roasted, then the blood that was shed. And so this is when we'll learn Jesus changed the Passover meal and the meaning of the Passover meal for his followers forever. And then he did not take the fourth cup the cup of praise. No, he said, one day I will drink this new with you in my father's kingdom. But for now, I'm not going to drink of this cup. And so we're going to go over those uh, in great detail, especially the third cup in the coming sessions. But I want you to understand that every part of this Passover had a symbolic meaning. Everything was done on purpose and for a purpose. Every question that was asked was asked every year the same way because repetition is the mother of learning. And the more they repeated this year after year after year, a child was not an adult. A man was not an adult until he was 20 years old. So if he stayed in his father's home for 20 years, then he would at least 20 times hear these same questions over and over and over again asked and answers given. And the reason the questions that we're going to see were asked so that it would prompt the same answers to be given over and over again. The reason for the four cups and the same name for the cups every year, the same gestures every year, the same storytelling events every year is so that they would never forget the love of God that he had and the justice of God that he exhibited when he brought them out of Egyptian bondage out of the slavery of Egyptian bondage and made them to be free in their own land, sitting under their own vines. When we began to, in the last week, pull this together and we see how that Jesus of Nazareth truly fulfilled every aspect of the Passover meal and that the Passover of the death angel in Egypt was only truly symbolic of an even greater miracle that would happen outside of Jerusalem on a place called Golgotha or Calvaria, Skull Hill. When the Son of God, God himself, walking and talking, taking on the form of a man, according to what the scripture says, fulfilling Isaiah 53, fulfilling the prophecies of the Messiah, he came and he died and paid the penalty once and for all for man's sin. It was his blood that was shed so that you and I might live and the death angel, which would bar us from ever seeing the face of God, would take us away. No, Jesus shed his blood. And because of that, when it comes time to be separated from God, that'll never happen if the blood is applied to the doorpost of our heart, to our innermost being that we have surrendered to the Lordship of Messiah Jesus. And so in the days ahead, as we talk about the Passover meal that Jesus had with his disciples, I want you to get ready for that. All I'm doing is preparing you for the great symbolism of that meal. And in order for that to have the color and significance and understanding of the nuances and shades of meaning, we have to understand what happened with the Jewish people, the Israelites, and their experiences in the Passover that they celebrate every year. And so whether you are a Jew or whether you are a Gentile, either one of you who are a follower of Jesus, then this is going to make sense to you in a way that perhaps it never has. 
I pray that as we go through this, God will begin to touch your heart and all of this will begin to make sense to you, real sense to you. And you can see something of the great plan of God down through the ages that he knew exactly what he was doing. None of this took him by surprise. Nothing ever will. God never says, oops, I didn't see that coming. God never says, oh, I didn't plan for that. God knew exactly what was going to happen and he had a plan all along. And aren't you glad that he is our God as we walk on the way? This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.